Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Welcome to Exploring Missions, connecting mission needs with those equipped by God to meet those needs across the world or across town. And now the host of Exploring Missions, Bert Harper. Thank you for listening to Exploring Missions. We're excited about the program today, and uh, we hope those that know about this ministry will be excited, and those that do not would just get excited and say, man, we need something like that in our lives, in our church. Again, Bert Harper and Nathan Harper. Nathan, one of the things we've done here on Exploring Missions, we've talked about the importance of God's Word, but also we've been talking a lot about discipleship, especially in young young people. Yes. Yeah, so, you know, when we talk about missions and making disciples, uh, you know, you have three basic categories of people that you are reaching, that you're working with. You have, uh, you have your neighbors, right? Uh, God said to love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus reemphasized that. Um, and so we have the people around us, right, that we're in proximate community with or close to. Uh, they need to hear the good news of Jesus. They need to be discipled. But then you also have uh, the, the nations. You have people groups, uh, whether they're unreached or unengaged or whether they are uh, far away from you. We still have, have the responsibility as the church that Jesus has sent us out to make disciples of all the nations. And then the third group you have, the next generations. You have those that are coming along behind us, uh, sometimes beside us, and they see us as a living model of the good news and what it means to follow Jesus. And so we have a responsibility to them. Uh, and the responsibility is, of course, to proclaim the good news of Jesus, the, the whole counsel of God's word. They need to, we need to be discipled uh, in God's word. And today, we're going to have someone that is on the front line of reaching the generations, especially the young generation. And I think this is very appropriate for this program with me, the father, Nathan, the son. And uh, he came along, uh, not just after me, but beside me in ministry. And it's been an exciting journey. But our guest today is president of Awana. Now, if you don't know what Awana is, we're going to tell you. It's Matt Markins. Matt, thank you for joining us on Exploring Missions. It is a delight to be with you guys. Thanks for having me. And uh, listen, uh, first time I heard Awana, I said, what in the world is that? I thought it was uh, maybe a Hawaiian uh, kind of food or something like that, Polynesian. But I found out it's not. It's, it's taken straight out of Scripture as an acrostic or something like that, isn't it? It is. It is. Approved workmen are not ashamed of the gospel. Of course, we all know that Bible passage, but in the most common language possible, Awana is about two words, and that's child discipleship. So if you are a pastor or a parent or a grandparent, and you've ever wondered, who can help us disciple our kids? Uh, we hope that you would think of us as, as a partner of yours. That's what we do. We partner with uh, 68,000 churches in 134 countries, and we engage 5.1 million children weekly, and that number is growing rapidly. So we're, we're a child discipleship partner to the local church and to homes. Matt, that's amazing when you're giving those numbers of 
uh, almost 5 million children around the world, most of those not being in, uh, in the United States. Is that correct? That's correct. There's about 700,000 children in the United States engaged in local Awana ministries. And the other, I'm not, a ma- I'm not much of a mathematician, but the other four point something million are, uh, are in the other 133 countries uh, around the world. Yeah. When I heard uh, the 4.9, I knew you were not a Baptist preacher because a preacher would stretch it to 5 million, Matt. So congratulations. Well, it's actually, the, the latest number is 5.1. You know, oh, okay. You print it's, it's, already out of, it's already out of date. We're so, growing. Yeah. Y'all, you guys have even grow, grown through the, quote, the pandemic? Oh, absolutely. Amen. That, that Amen. It did, it did slow down, but we have grown through the pandemic because families need help with their kids, and kid, kids need some level of engagement. When, when where they're able to gather globally, they, they still did do that. Yes, sir. Matt, you know, it's, um, it's easy for me to imagine how Awana can, just as a, as a ministry, how it can grow here in the United States, really anywhere you travel in the U.S., especially uh, where we're located here in in the buckle of the Bible Belt. You can go just about to any church uh, or any community, and if they're not uh, implementing Awana as a a ministry in their church, someone in that community is. Uh, But my question is, how did Awana spread so rapidly so, um, so far throughout the rest of the world? Yeah, we're coming up on our 73rd birthday, and Awana had, was pretty was experiencing pretty modest growth uh, between its inception around 1950 up until about 2005. But we made a missiological shift in 2006 that didn't implement until 2007. And the missiological shift was that outside the U.S., we had to stop exporting our U.S. model and we had to move to a leader equipping model. We call it LBS, leader-based strategy. So uh, as you can imagine, when you, if, if the program in, let's say, Zambia is dependent on printed handbooks and T-shirts and other ancillary materials, there's going to be very few churches in Zambia that are going to be able to afford that. So the scalability was pretty low, which is why we were experiencing modest growth. But in 2007, we released our leader-based strategy where we train and equip the nationals to perpetuate the ministry through leader equipping so it creates low dependencies on any outside entity. In that way, it's able to grow through leaders mentoring, discipling, and investing in other leaders. And at that point, our ministry was around 1.5 million children total in 2007 around the world globally. And you can see we've moved from about 1.5 million in 07 to 5.1 million children today. When I hear that leader-based strategy, I see the Apostle Paul. <laughs> that I yeah. mean, you know, that was his strategy. Yeah. He would go in and he would teach and preach, and then he he would equip the leaders and leave them there, and then send back some leaders when they had trouble. So do you have the—go back a little bit for me. How how in the world did you start equipping these leaders in all these countries? Well, to, to, so two things. Let's think about the structure. In terms of structure, we have to vet out a country director in each country. 
And that's obviously an extremely important decision, the quality of their character. Obviously, they know, love, and serve Jesus Christ. There's walking alongside of him, and they've got the skills and the gifts. So we, we have a grid that we think through. Uh, Malcolm Weber's five C's, we use that a lot to really, to really choose the right leader. It's going to be humble. And then that leader uh, has to help facilitate the process of leading the trainings and finding all of the other regional leaders within their country. So that, that one decision is an incredibly important decision. Uh, but once once those types of leadership decisions are made and those that those, that leader is, is trained and equipped, we use a training system that has two parts. The first part is called 414, where the, the training that's happening at the local level with 100 pastors or 150 pastors, the first training, we, we cast that message that between the ages of 4 and 14 is when most human beings come to know Christ. And typically, there's a level of repentance where this is new information to a lot of pastors in developing nations, and there's oftentimes a little bit of a spirit of revival and repentance that we've been we've been tilling a lot of dry ground and not spending our energy in the most fertile area, which is children and youth. And so, what happens at the second conference is the second training is those pastors who are at the 414 training then go bring leaders back from their own church who are going to be able to be the ones to perpetuate the ministry of children and youth. And in that second training, we go much deeper on how to actually implement child discipleship. You know, I think it's interesting that you mention um, in this in this overall discussion of reaching the nations and much of, I'm sure, much of the uh, churches that are uh, global, uh, working, uh, using Awana as, as a ministry tool, uh, that God is using there, a lot of them are probably in the 1040 window. And now you you mentioned this other window, what we would call the 4 to 14 window. Uh, yes. Both of those we bring up from time to time on our program. Um, back, in the, back to the United States, however, um, are we still seeing fruitfulness in that younger generation, that 4 to 14 age window? We are. Uh, yeah, so many things I'd like to comment there. The first, the first thing I'd like to mention is the significance of the age thir- 13. The Barnard Group did some research a few years back that doesn't get enough attention, and it's the stat that for 90-plus percent of individuals, they're at the age of 13. So let's think about that. Here in the U.S., we use age 18 as the deadline, meaning we got to get these high school kids ready to go off to college with a thriving faith. And we've been, the church has been looking at age 18 as that deadline or that target. We've got the wrong deadline, guys. The deadline isn't 18, it's 13. If we're not preparing our kids to have a thriving faith in a biblical worldview by age 13, we're missing 90-plus percent of the people because their worldview is largely left by that date. So that's why I want us to help the church understand what is child discipleship and what's the importance of it. So if age eight, eight, excuse me, if age 13 is the deadline we're shooting for to, to shape their worldview in Christ, we really need to be thinking a lot more about eight-year-olds because what the, it's, it's what leads up to age 13, right? It's what's happening at age five, age seven, age nine, 10, 11. Those are some of the most important informative years in the lives of, of those being formed in our local church. And I think as pastors, we think, well, what's going on in the kids' area of the church? That's really cute and all, but I'm here doing the real ministry. Unfortunately, that's not really what the data show. The data shows that children 
are most open to being formed. So here's what, here's what we're seeing. We're seeing that churches that shift their community energy towards discipling children, guess what happens? The adults actually get discipled while reading the curriculum, preparing each week, engaging with kids. And in that process of working with children, they're getting more discipled as adults than they are in a lot of the other activities that are happening. So what we're trying to help the church see is the importance of child discipleship. It's going to lift the discipleship energy across your church as a whole. It really does go back to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Even, I mean, you know, the whole basis of everything uh, in the Jewish community and the Christian community is the modeling that goes on. And, And honestly, Matt, it, during Awana, I found out it was caught as well as it was taught. You know, a lot of those leaders that we had in the church where I pastored, uh, man, the, their excitement and even the game time now. Listen, <laughs> don't dismiss yeah, yeah. the game time as something that is – I know hiding God's Word in your heart is the is the thought, but the process through the game time, because those, especially the boys, I had to, my wife and I had the privilege of raising three sons, and listen, sure. it's energy on steroids, you know what I mean? And so, so having that exercise time or that game time was a valuable part of it, isn't it? It is, and I'd, I'd love to go back to the second part of what Nathan asked, and that is, like, what, what exactly is happening, what's God doing in this area? And that's because it's about formation. There's there's two key phrases we pay attention to. One is what we call cultural formation, and the other one is uh, discipleship formation, or what we call child discipleship. Um, so cultural formation is the dominant forming of our children that's happening 24-7, right? We're living in what you call a post-Christian culture or a highly secularized culture, or in some cases you could even say cultural Christianity. So our kids are swimming in a world where they're being formed. It's like swimming downstream, right? You're just kind of coasting. We're always being formed by something, whether it's screens or Instagram or whatever. Our kids are swimming in all of this. But the church has a powerful influence, and families have a powerful influence on ch- on children, and that's child discipleship, or we could even call that counter-formation. So we have to ask the question, what are the primary factors that lead to lasting faith in children? And, and Bert, you just mentioned one of them, which is these games times, which we would call that experience or becoming. And so we did we did a research, uh, significant research over the last decade, and there's three fine primary factors that lead to lasting faith in children, and those are belong, believe, and become. Belong is highly relational, believe is deeply scriptural, and become is truly experiential. So if you're wanting to form children as young disciples, those three factors are really where it's at. Belong, believe, become. Matt, um, as I hear you talk about this, it just strikes me how well thought through and I'm assuming prayed through and definitely uh, studied and um, bathed in Scripture and in prayer that that you guys at Awana— um, you know, how serious you're taking this as, as child discipleship. And uh, you're right. I think probably the majority of churches here in the U.S. see, uh, uh, they probably, number one, don't see discipleship among children as a priority. A lot of times it's simply, uh, well, we got to have child care. We've got to 
Yeah. Keep the kids busy. Keep the kids from distracting the the real ministry uh, and taking away from that. And I just, you know, I'm so I'm thinking of that first of how uh, well thought through uh, Awana really is, um, but also how Jesus cut through all that. And, you know, he was, here he was surrounded by these, you know, grownups. And, you know, he took the time not just to welcome and bless the children, but to teach how all these grownups need to become like a child, you know, to enter the yeah. kingdom. Yeah. Um, but one thing you you mentioned earlier was um, how the adult leaders um, also are discipled as they lead the children. And there's kind of the heart of it. Um, that there's that leadership process, that leadership strategy, and so, um, how how would a church that's interested in seeing their adults become leaders in the church and be discipled, and maybe they're starting to catch on to this idea of children being discipled is super important. Um, how would they just reach out and learn more about um, one about Awana, but also I know you guys provide some resources. Uh, to help people think through these things in a biblical way, what what can they do to to find more? Yeah, I, I, I kind of think of that in a response to that question in three kind of three areas. One would be like you said, resources and curriculum, which kind of goes to more of how do we implement a program. But I would look up to the highest level, which I think has more to do with insight. And then there's a middle level that's probably equipping. So it's just to keep and work our way down. At the top would be insight. At the middle would be equipping. At the bottom would be like weekly programs. So we can help a church with insight, meaning uh, what does the Gospels say about discipleship? What, how did Jesus make disciples? What are the primary factors forming children in today's world? Those types of things would all give us insight. So we, we help churches and parents win that insight space to, so they can understand cultural formation and counter-formation, which is child discipleship. The second level would be like equipping right there in the middle. We do a lot of equipping to, uh, as you said a moment ago, we have taken this very seriously. We've done nine research projects, and we've we've studied the Gospels and how Jesus made disciples inside and out. Um, and so we can equip your church in how to, to become child disciple makers and how to, uh, how to, how to really shape children in, in the image of Jesus. And then thirdly, we do have programs for uh, what we call midweek ministry. We have programs for weekend ministry. We have uh, programs for for the home as well. And so we can help a church in in any one of those three areas. We would love to be able to do that. We're here to help the church. We're here to help parents. As a former pastor, and we were about to implement Awana, I say implement, bring it on as helpful in helping our church do what we're supposed to do. Uh, We had a group of people who were interested, mostly parents, all those children, visit a church that was involved with Awana, and they went and they came back, and they were excited before they went but they were super excited when they came back and they were ready to go and they became instrumental with the pastor, uh, you know, promoting and leading and saying, this is what we need to do. Uh, the recruitment started and the training started. Uh, I found out it really helps for them to go and see. It's kind of what Jesus said, come and see, you know? And so yeah. uh, would you, that is some church that's interested in that. 
uh, they might find that out and be helpful if that would be what would help them in their discipleship of the children in their church. Absolutely. If you if you were to just to, I love football. If you were to describe football to me and I'd never experienced <laughs> it, boy, I wouldn't understand. But you take me to a football game and man, that excitement. It's much the same way, you know. When you when you experience something as dynamic as kids, you know, kids being engaged and kids smiling and laughing and learning and growing and just being cared for, uh, it's it's pretty dynamic. I think that's a great recommendation, Bert. You know, for we actually have a club finder on our website, awana.org, where you can go and, and find other churches in your area that are doing Awana. Uh, that, that's a great recommendation. That, that will be very helpful, I think, to, to another church. So you heard Matt give the uh, website, awana.org. That's A-W-A-N-A dot org. So as you're listening, and uh, you might uh, find this interesting, we want you to uh, to check out uh, that website, and you could, um, like he said, find a uh, another church that is uh, hosting Awana clubs uh, in your area. And uh, if you're a parent, you'll definitely want to uh, check that out. But any leader in any church, um, you're welcome to uh, to check out that website, and we encourage you to do that. Uh, so, um, Matt, let me turn the tables on you a little bit and just kind of switch gears. Uh, sure. We know Awana is at, at its heart about child discipleship and uh, the importance of memorizing Scripture. Um, I guess first, can you tell me maybe one of your favorite memory verses, one of your favorite Bible verses, and what it means to you? Uh, Matthew thirteen forty four. Uh, there was a man who found a treasure hidden in a field. Uh, when he found it, he hid it again, and in his joy, he went and he sold all that he had, and he bought that field. Uh, that verse, to me, Matthew thirteen forty four, is what the Christian life is all about. We 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 didn't we we didn't seek God out; He sought us out. Amen. You know, God came near. <laughs> Amen. And we discover this treasure hidden. Imagine discovering discovering a treasure that's so valuable that you go home and you're trying to convince your wife and kids, y'all don't understand. We got to sell everything. This is so much more valuable than everything we own. We got to go for this. That's that's discovering Jesus, and that's discovering the, His kingdom in the way that He's trying to tell us. There's so much of a better way to live, and that's discipleship. That's the Sermon on the Mount. And so, boy, that verse just so lit me up when I read that as a young man. And I see a movie in my head. I think those guys who make Christian films need to make a movie about that. But, <laughs> yes, it is a beautiful. That, yeah, it's beautiful word yeah, picture. It's a beautiful picture. Yeah, it's such a beautiful picture. And, you know, Jesus is worth giving up all this other stuff, the lesser things, right? And the sinful things, he's worth giving all that up for because he, he is the treasure. John Trent and Gary Smalley, they said men and even boys, word pictures just register yeah. with them. And when you quoted that verse, I could not help but think, man, you can visualize that happening. And and I, I know girls do as well, but young boys especially, yeah. that word picture, even David, when he was king and Nathan came to him yeah. and t- t- before he said, you're the man, he gave him a word yeah. picture. And so yeah, these scriptures are so important. I wanted to go back 134 countries. That yeah. that that's astounding, Matt. I uh, listen. I am overwhelmed when I read that. 
and I saw that. That got my attention even more than $4.9 million. Now, that got my attention as well. But 134 countries, let me ask you this, do you have visions of more? We sure do. Let me, let me tell you what's happening in sub-Saharan Africa right now. Uh, a school in Zimbabwe a few years ago, let me say this again, a public school in Zimbabwe came to our leader, Stephen Maposa, and they said, Stephen, you, your, your Awana kids are different from the rest of the kids in the school. What if we brought Awana into our school to test and see how it would work? They did it. It's wonderful. It has now scaled in Zimbabwe to 450 schools. It's in 3,000 schools across sub-Saharan Africa, and we have an active plan right now to scale it uh, across to 7 million children in sub-Saharan Africa with a long-term vision of 32 million. And so it, it's, I think it's the most happening thing going on in the kingdom. You never hear of a public school system across seven countries you know, inviting an organization like Awana in. And it's, it's, it's a God story, and, and we, we just have so many things like that that are happening that, that's just absolutely amazing. That's incredible. God is, God is awesome. Um, and it's wonderful to, to know that God um, is using uh, you, uh, using Awana. Um, can you tell us, can you just give us some, uh, here, at the, here at the last of this uh, interview, can you give us maybe our listeners, maybe a parent, Maybe there's a pastor, um, and they are they are burdened. They're con- they're concerned about their children, about the children in their church. Uh, maybe in that four to fourteen window, um, yeah. And and they want to see like how can they start uh, catching this vision and then sharing this vision of what Awana can uh, God can do through Awana in their church and their family. Well, let me repeat something I said earlier, and then, I'll, then I'm also going to give a practical resource. Something I said earlier is these two two competing phrases, cultural formation and counterformation. The culture is rapidly forming our children. Screens, post-Christianism, uh, secularism, it's aggressive, and it's, it's pressing in on us from all sides. We swim in those waters daily. But counterformation is an intentional plan. We would call that child discipleship. It's faithful. It's fruitful. It's not a formula. There are no silver bullets. Uh, but it's worth our effort. It's a worthy, faithful pursuit as Christ followers. And so if that's something where you're like, we've got to move in that direction, let me encourage you to Google Child Discipleship Forum. I think you can just go to childdiscipleshipforum.com. And the Child Discipleship Forum is an event that Awana sponsors every year. We bring together people from around the kingdom who are going to help your church or you as a parent understand what's forming our kids and what can the church do to form them as resilient disciples like Daniel, uh, right, like Joseph and others and Caleb. And so we want to form resilient disciples who are going to lead the future of the church no matter where they are. And the Child Discipleship Forum can give you the insight and the equipping to move forward. Matt, thank you so much for being with us today. And uh, real quickly, in maybe 10 seconds, how can we pray for you and for Awana? Well, we're in love with Acts 420. I can't not speak of the things we have seen and heard. Like, we can't not speak of the things we've seen and heard. So we need courage to keep following Jesus and keep sharing this message with the world because it is the good news. Matt, thank you for being with us here on Exploring Missions, and we praise God for Awana, and we encourage all of you who are listening today, get in touch. 
with Awana and see what God can do in your life and in your church and in your family. Again, you have a great, great day.